This podcast is brought to you by She Society, sharing the perspectives and stories of women Australia-wide. Hello and welcome to Buzzing About Books with Michelle Beasley. I'm here at my home in Brisbane. Um, We're all in lockdown, although our um, conditions are easing at the moment here in Australia. We've done pretty well here in Queensland. Our borders are closed and no new cases recorded today, so that's always good news. But we're being ever vigilant and, yes, of course, the economy is quite in disarray and lots of people out of work. So it's been quite a sad time for us all here. So I thought I'd talk today about books that have helped me to get through this pandemic and books that have swept me away to other countries. Now that we're not able to travel, I thought some of you might enjoy travelling via your armchair. So I'm here in the library today and I've picked some really good books that I've read since the beginning of the year and hopefully you'll enjoy them too. Now the first one that's grabbed my attention is Natasha Lester, The Paris Secret. So I won this one in a competition on Kel Rimmer's Facebook page and it was while my son was coming back from America in the first stages of the pandemic. So the fact that we even got him on a plane and got him to Los Angeles, that was uh, quite a distressing time for me. So my answer to Kel's question is tell me something good that's happened. It was, of course, I said that's easy, Kel. It's my son being on a plane and on his way home. So for that, I got a lovely book from Mad Hatter's Bookshop in Widham. They sent it to me and it's perfect for me because Natasha has written about dual gowns, about um, flying in the World War and about uh, a fashion curator in present day Australia. So it's all entwined together. So when uh, Kat Jordan finds a wardrobe of Dior gowns in her grandmother's place in Cornwall that she didn't even know about. Um, This secret has been kept for 65 years and it's bound three women together by war. So in 1939 in England, talented pilot Skye Penrose joins the war effort where she encounters her estranged sister, Liberty, and her childhood soulmate, Nicholas Crawford, and he's now engaged to enigmatic French woman Margot Jordan. And it turns out that there's lots of spies and flights into France and lots of espionage going on with this crew. Sky's a very strong character, always has been, um, brought up by a single mum in uh, their Cornwall town and Nicholas as well. He had to stay with his awful aunt in Cornwall and they have a lifelong friendship and there's always been that attraction since they were younger so it's great to see how that develops as the story goes on. Uh, Paris 1947 Christian Dior unveils his first collection to the world which is weary of war and grief and he names his debut fragrance Miss Dior in tribute to his sister Catherine who worked for the French resistance. Now Natasha tried to find out as much as she could about Catherine but there hasn't been as much written about her as you would think compared to Christian Dior of course. So yeah she was um, a wonderful um, hero in the resistance and yes Miss Dior is my favourite fragrance coincidentally and I just got another lovely bottle for my birthday so that really uh, piqued my interest and we get to the present day with 
fashion conservator Kat Jordan. She's the one who finds the secret wardrobe and as she delves into the mystery, Kat begins to doubt everything she thought she knew about her beloved grandmother. Now, um, we end up with a little bit of romance in this one. We move from London and Cornwall over to France and, and back again to Australia, present day. Uh, she she talks about 65 different gowns, so Natasha must have had fun researching those. And she actually went to Christian Dior's house in Paris, um, saw the exhibition in Paris, saw the exhibition at the NGV that I saw myself. Um, so, yes, Dior gowns. I wish I'd thought about writing this book myself. So it's a beautiful book and one that I won as a prize. And the unspeakable tragedy in it all will entwine all of their fates forever. So it's a sprawling historical romantic fiction and I know that you're all going to love it. So if you're craving your taste of Paris and fashion, this one's for you. The Paris Secret by Natasha Lester. Now, a lot of people are turning to thrillers to pass the time in lockdown. So my favourite recently has been from... Australian Irish writer Dervla McTiernan. I was lucky enough to meet Dervla when she was in Brisbane for the Writers Festival and she actually came out to my little library where my writing group meets, Ashgrove Library. They do some suburban events and she was a really lovely person. She even wrote down my name so she could look out for some of my work which was really lovely. So Dervla's um, third in the Cormac Riley series is The Good Turn and I think it could be one of the best. So it's police corruption, an investigation that ends in tragedy and the mystery of a little girl's silence, three unconnected events that will prove to be linked by one small town. So Cormac's always in trouble with people at work. A lot of people don't like him. He's very thorough. And in this book, um, Garda Peter Fisher, who you've met in other, if you've read the two other books in the series, uh, he has a small part to play, but now he gets a role of his own here. Um, he's in trouble, so he returns to Galway. He doesn't really want to go because his uh, dad is the sergeant there and he has to work under his overbearing father. But he's in the pretty seaside town of Roundstone. And he also um, gets in touch with um, Cormac Riley and finds out what he's been up to. And there are lots of mysteries which all tend to come to a head in Roundstone. So Dervla's weaved her magic again and all the strands come together. So I won't say too much because it's a really good thriller. So you'll enjoy that one, set in Gritty Island. That's Dervla McTiernan's The Good Turn. Now the next one that I'm going to tell you about is a French one called Love Letters from Montmartre and it's by a German author called Nicholas, I think it's Barrow, B-A-R-R-E-A-U. So his books are translated into French and English and it's a very emotional and sad story. It tells of the writer Julian Azoulé whose wife Helene dies. He's always been um, a great romantic, witty comedy writer and once she dies he can't write anymore. He visits her grave in the cemetery in Montmartre which I visited with my husband when we were there last time and in there are lots of writers like Alexander Demar who wrote um, The Three Musketeers and also um, 
painters and ballet dancers and politicians. So you can walk around there for a long time looking at lots of famous writers' headstones and, and beautiful crypts. So, yeah, it is kind of a magical place. And we were there in winter, so it was a dark day with crows in the bear trees. So it was quite mysterious. So you can imagine Julian going there with his young son that he has to look after after his wife dies. So will romance find him? Will he get out of his despair and depression? And I really love books that are interspersed with letters, similar to um, the my favourite book, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. So that was another good one with letters all through. So letters can be a good way to join a book together and um, these mysterious letters, we finally find out who's been sending them and it might be a surprise for you too. So all along I was guessing and it was so funny. I also had bought this book for friends before my husband gave it to me so we could compare and and talk about the book and and our memories of Paris. So that's another one that will take you on travels to Paris and France is Love Letters from Montmartre. Now the next one that I'm going to talk about is one that I didn't read for a very long time. It's from one of my favourite authors, Kate Morton, who originally came from Paddington in Brisbane and now she lives in London and she just writes the most amazing historical fiction, often centred around a house or a setting. Some have been set in Australia but often they're in England and they're mysteries, they're romance, they're thrillers, bits of everything. They're quite magical to read. Um, The Clockmaker's Daughter, some people when they reviewed it they didn't like the ghost elements they thought there were too many characters so I kind of put it off for a little bit even though I love her writing so much but I shouldn't have been worried once I read it it was a beautiful magical story and probably one of my favorites I don't mind lots of characters and and time travel and intertwining years and it actually links um, an artist called Edward Radcliffe and he's been enamoured of this house um, which is on the Thames and also he has a muse called Lily Millington. Now when he and his friends travel to the house he finally buys the house and they travel to this house to be creative and have a a lovely holiday. Um, So when they arrive in Birchwood Manor it's summer and everyone's happy and his younger sister's there too. And the muse is there. They all have different rooms, setting up and doing art. But something happens. By the time their stay is over, one woman has been shot dead while another has disappeared. And a priceless heirloom is missing. Edward Radcliffe's life is in ruins. Then, over 150 years later, Elodie Winslow, who's a young archivist in London, uncovers a leather satchel containing a a photograph of an arresting-looking woman in Victorian clothing and an artist's sketchbook containing the drawing of a twin-gabled house on the bend of a river. Why does it feel so familiar to her? Who's the beautiful woman in the photograph? And will she ever give up her secrets? So it's told by multiple voices across time. And it's a story of murder, mystery, thievery, art, love and loss. 
And flowing through its pages like a river is the voice of one woman who ties everything together and who has watched everyone in the house since it started. So I really love that. And Bertie Bell, the clockmaker's daughter, is our narrator in this one. And she says, my real name, no one remembers. The truth about that summer, no one else knows. And it kept me captivated till the very last page. I, it's a very thick book, but I couldn't read it quick enough with a beautiful, beautiful cover. So from our internationally best-selling author, Kate Morton, The Clockmaker's Daughter. So that will transport you away. Now, the other one that I was going to tell you about was The Diamond Hunter by Fiona McIntosh. She is a best-selling author. I've got a lot of her books here. I've got The Chocolate Tin, The Lavender Keeper, Tea Gardens, and, and so many more. And she always has a motif for her books. The next one she has revealed is going to be on champagne. So I'm very excited to read that one. And The Diamond Hunter spans from South Africa, which... Uh, regular listeners will know that I've been to quite often and I was supposed to be there in February this year so I I read this book instead and it transported me to Africa. So it's um, about six-year-old Clementine Knight who loses her mother to malaria during the 1870s diamond rush in southern Africa. Now she was a lady from quite an upper-class home who fell in love with the carpenter James. Now James Uh, After his wife dies, he becomes an alcoholic, becomes very depressed and destitute and his best friend and Clementine's carer is their trusty Zulu companion, Joseph Wanshu. Now these unlikely pair form an unbreakable bond and when the two men uncover a large flawless diamond, James thinks that he's finally found the secure future that they were looking for but the priceless gem comes at a huge cost. A dark bargain is struck to do whatever it takes to return Clementine to her respectable life at the Grant's family's sprawling estate in northern England. And the diamond disappears. Now Clementine grows up under the tutelage of her uncle. She's very headstrong because she's been brought up in Africa. She really remembers Joseph Wanshoe and she looks after orphans. She does her bit for society with the the, um, money that she's inherited from her grandmother. And she wants to solve a mystery about what's happened to Joseph. So she goes back to the Kimberley to try and find him. So it comes from the desert, harsh desert of Africa's Kimberley diamond mine to the misty green plains of northern England. It's an adventure story, but there's also a bit of romance in London and a little bit of mystery as well. She's uh, on a quest for the truth and she finds that actually love is the most priceless thing of all. So it's a beautiful story. Fiona always researches her books very well and I was lucky enough to catch her on chapter one where she showed a lot of pictures of her research. Um, She'd been to a restaurant that I had been to several times with my husband called the Criterion Restaurant which is there um, in Piccadilly Circus so we often stay right nearby there. So yeah, very well researched and I'm looking forward to her next one now. She's a master of writing beautiful historical fiction but with a sense of place she began as began as a travel writer so that shows so that will transport you to South Africa and parts of England so they're just a few that I've been enjoying recently 
here in lockdown and they've taken me away to different parts of the world, even though Australia is very beautiful. So what am I reading right now? I have been lucky enough to get an art copy of my Instagram friend, Maya Linnell's Bottlebrush Creek. Now you may remember that Maya wrote Wildflower Ridge last year and that's just been named um, in the top 100 uh, better reading. So that's a real feather in Maya's cap and that means that she'll be stocked in places like Big W and, and bookshops for a lot longer. So you can still get Wildflower Ridge and there are also some smaller versions of it now. So that, that's a good way to fill out your library but her new one Bottle Brush, Brush Creek I've just started it and it tells a story in the last book it was about Penny and Tim and their father um, this one is about her youngest sister Angie now she meets up with Rob who's a fly-in fly-out worker and they find out they're having a baby so uh, when we meet them Claudia their little girl is two years old um, Angie's been busy running a beauty salon and they're looking for a house. They finally found the perfect fixer-upper, which is a cottage um, in a beautiful seaside place but also farming land. And it uh, turns out that the only catch is it's right next to Rob's parents. So what could possibly go wrong? Uh, throw in a brother who is mysteriously overseas and there's a rift between the brothers and uh, Angie has to be tolerant of her mother-in-law coming over all the time and we'll see what happens as they move into their new home and start to renovate. So a lot of the things that happen in the story are things that have happened in Maya's life. Rob's a motorcycle enthusiast and I know that Maya grew up riding motorbikes and her dad wrote for motorcycle magazines. So that's part of her genuineness is adding parts of herself. Um, Maya likes to bake as do her family. So that's part of the story that really resonates with a lot of people. And also she and her husband have um, been owner builders and built their own house so they didn't fix up a cottage or they may have before that I'll have to ask her but yeah she has gone the building route so everything about that is very authentic and yeah getting your mates rates and all that sort of thing it, it's really uh, a timely book for for now when most of us may be just deciding to work on our own homes or build a new one or renovate a cottage somewhere. So yes, Maya's books are very genuine and she knows about country life. She lives in a beautiful house herself in Victoria which has beach on one side and, and farmland. So yes, really, I'm really loving the story of Angie and getting to know her character. So I'm only I think into chapter 17 so they're in the midst of starting to renovate and cracks are starting to form in their relationship as they do when you're doing something uh, quite a big thing like this so yeah a great one to read and I'm only traveling to Victoria for a change so yeah it'd be great to um, see that one come out on June 2nd and I'll be interviewing Maya and writing a review of course in She Society. So they're just a few of the new releases that I've read this year. Um, I hope that you're enjoying reading again now. I know some of you 
found it hard at first, but whether it's a thriller or romance, historical fiction, there are some great authors and writers out there and look out for some new releases. It's really hard to um, put out a new book in this climate. You can't do your usual book launches and, and travel around the countryside. So get on to a few of those virtual book launches and a few of the interviews that are going around and you might find some new authors. I know I'm looking to um, read Sally Hepworth now I found her in this time so she's got one out the mother-in-law which is on my to be read list so there's heaps of new authors and and established authors who are putting books out now so watch out for those new releases well thanks for traveling with me today even if it's via our armchair I hope you stay safe wherever you are stay sparkly and till next time this is Michelle from She Society Bye. This podcast is brought to you by She Society. 